Open the Word of God with me this morning to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 for an opening passage of Scripture. We've just had a good beginning in the back room with the men, and we want to continue that now with the full assembly. Philippians chapter 4. The Lord Jesus Christ in John 16, in verses 21 through, or 20 through 22, told his apostles that they would be sorrowful, that he was leaving them and they would be sorrowful, but they would see him again and they would be joyful and no man would be able to take their joy away from them. And that's what Jesus gave them and he'll have more to say about that joy today as we conclude John 16. But here's the Apostle Paul, one of those apostles, not one of the 11, but one of the apostolic group. And here's what a verse he gives us in Philippians chapter 4. It's a short verse. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Here's Paul taking that lesson of Jesus from John 16 and conveying it to second-generation Christians in the city of Philippi. When we use the word second-generation Christians, we're referring to those that are one generation removed from the apostles. They weren't part of the apostles. They weren't in the upper room. They weren't converted in the day of Pentecost. And mostly they were Gentiles converted later. But we want this right here for us because it applies to us. It's in an epistle to a Gentile church. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Jesus had said his resurrection would bring it. And we know about that resurrection. And so because of that resurrection, we should be joyful. And he told his apostles that no man can take that joy away. It was theirs. They could have it in a dungeon. They could have it at the stake when they were being burned for Jesus' sake. Now notice that this is a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say something like this. Joy in the Lord is good. Now that's an observation and an indicative statement, and it's not what this is saying. It's giving us a commandment, an imperative verb. Rejoice. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. Cheer up, ye saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to make you feel afraid. There's nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never failed, so why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. And that's a true Christian's outlook on life. And it's a commandment. Rejoice is an imperative verb. It's a choice. When it's a commandment, that means it's a choice. The verse also doesn't say, if you'll wait upon the Lord, he will fill you with joy. It doesn't say that. It says rejoice. And so we ought to rejoice today. Rejoice means to be glad. It means to be happy. It means to be filled with mirth. And it means to be filled with cheer. So cheers. Jesus Christ is victor. Jesus Christ has conquered death and is seated at the right hand of God on the throne of glory. It tells us more. Rejoice. So that's a command. We make a choice to obey or disobey. We don't wait for circumstances to get better. Circumstances could not get any better. What are you talking about? I don't care who is here and what pain you're suffering and what financial loss you've incurred. Circumstances could not get any better. 
You have a risen, reigning, and returning Lord and Savior seated at the right hand of God because it says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. The joy is in Christ Jesus. He's done everything for you. There isn't anything he hasn't done for you. What do you wish he'd done for you that he hasn't done for you? That's ridiculous and it's blasphemous to even think about questions or answers like that. He never changes at all. His promises are sure. Rejoice in the Lord. And then it says always. There's no reason or room or time to be sad in light of this verse. The Apostle Paul had a pretty sad experience when he was beaten, stripped naked, and put in the innermost prison in the city of Philippi of Macedonia, Greece. But that didn't move him and Silas. It says they sang and praised God at midnight, bleeding in a dungeon. And they were doing it loud so that all the prisoners heard them. They weren't whispering to each other. They were rejoicing. Always. He doesn't change. So why do you change? Why do I ever change? He doesn't change. Because it's rejoice in the Lord. Didn't he say, as I wrote you yesterday afternoon, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Didn't he say that Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever? So there's no change with him. Our circumstances are not it. Listen, our circumstances are all going to get worse. We're going to decline and decline and decline until we get to die to stop the declination. Do you understand that? We're going to be thankful to die to stop the decay and the decline. But even then, if our hearts are right, we should be rejoicing in the Lord still. Rejoice in the Lord always. Then there's a repetition. And again, I say rejoice. When the Holy Spirit chooses to write a verse like this and say, and again I say, he's putting emphasis on it because one exhortation to be joyful and to be of good cheer is not enough. He wants to give you another one. And again I say, rejoice. So let's rejoice today. Let's make it a great day. It's a choice. The whole church can rejoice today in what Jesus Christ has done is doing, will yet do, and has promised he'll do it. He's bet his whole identity on it, his whole nature on it, his relationship with the Father on it. He is committed to us, and he will save us with an everlasting salvation. You know, when the Bible says that a person can have a continual feast, that's in the Old Testament, but this is in the New Testament, and they're both true. A continual feast And it was a choice there in the Old Testament, Proverbs 15, 15. And it's a choice here in James and Philippians 4 and verse 4. Let's get the point because of the repetition. God and Paul repeat it to us, an imperative command twice given. Rejoice and rejoice. Now he's given us the Holy Spirit. If you're not joyful today, there's two options. If you're not joyful today, after a little bit of an exhortation, there's two options. You're not saved, or you're not walking in the Spirit. There is no other option. If you're saved, then you have the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you should be walking in Him, and He gives the internal energy, the internal conviction, the internal desire, the internal reasons to be joyful. John 14 and 15 and 16 are all about that spirit. 
the comforter. I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the Spirit. And the Spirit is called, in Hebrews, the oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. Now, you may have seen a pulpit last night in a video that I sent you, and it had a couple bottles there. And one of those bottles was a bottle of ointment because they're worried about ointment that goes on the head. But we want to worry about ointment that's already inside us. It's the anointing by God of joy. Not the anointing to take up serpents, but the anointing of joy. If you really want to keep God's commandments for us, a second generation Gentile church, then we will be happy today. And we will be glad for what our Father has done for us. When we do something for our children and they don't show thankfulness and thanksgiving and appreciation, it hurts. There's a God in heaven that's done more for us than we can even imagine for doing for our children. We want to give him all that he deserves in the way of glad, appreciative, thankful praise today. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. Who gets to overcome this world according to 1 John? where the same writer writes again in his first epistle, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we can overcome this same world, and we shall overcome it, because our Savior's overcome it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice is a command. You need to make the choice. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that no other circumstances really matter. And it's always. There's no reason to stop being happy and glad. And again I say, rejoice. Heavenly Father, in the blessed and glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we are this day eternally, legally, vitally, practically, and we can go ahead and say finally, because thou art able to call those things which be not as though they were. We rest on the promises that you've given in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we rest on his promises that he would never leave us nor forsake us, that he never changes, and that he will save to the uttermost them that come unto thee by him. We thank thee this day for this little verse from our beloved brother Paul, telling us to rejoice, and it is a choice. And Heavenly Father, I pray that by your Spirit and by your Word, we've just used your Word and your Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is with us. Stir up everyone right now to be glad, to be thankful for what you have done for us in the ancient past, in the distant past, yesterday, what you're doing for us today, and what you'll be doing for us tomorrow and through eternity. We have every blessing. There is nothing more you could have done for us. There's nothing more you should have done for us. We are blessed abundantly. We have more in the carnal table than anyone's ever had before. And they were happy with just the spiritual table. We've got both tables full and overflowing. We should be the most thankful of all people. Heavenly Father, forgive us for being ungrateful. Forgive us for whining. Forgive us for looking on negative things. Forgive us for trying to find some fault with most anything we see, and bless us this day to rejoice in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let our joy be in him. Let it not be in a church. Let it not be in brotherly love. Let it not be in a pastor. Let it not be even in a King James Bible. Let it be in him, the living word of God made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We thank thee that when he was about to be deserted and left alone, he wasn't looking for nor asking for good cheer from his apostles who should have been giving it to him. He was giving it to them. And when we read the word of God, it's all good cheer for us. And Heavenly Father, we want to be cheerful this day. Help us to this end. And we pray now, as we have prayed in the back room this morning, that you would bless your saints in other churches and scattered abroad by themselves to be filled with that same joy of the Holy Ghost. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill us today with that spirit of power that we might realize that joy, that we might see Jesus Christ and know that he is sufficient for all things of time and eternity for us. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sinfulness. Forgive us our worldliness. Forgive us for ever compromising and flirting with your arch enemy, and that is this world. Bless us now. Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in America. We're thankful for every blessing that you pour upon us every day. We're thankful for health and strength, and with the energy we have, we'll give it to thee in this assembly and the one following. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.